This morning in my devotion time, I was reading in Psalm 85, and there the psalmist was talking about the goodness of God to Israel. And as I read that, I was thinking about how good God has been to our land, how he has blessed us, how he has blessed our people. And yet it seems to me today that we are living in a time when there is a growing hostility, an open hostility towards God. There are some anti-God books that have been written that surprisingly have enjoyed considerable success in the marketplace. Sam Harris wrote The End of Faith, Richard Dawkins, The God Delusion. The current anti-God bestseller was written by Christopher Hitchens, God is Not Great. It seems to me that this hostility has been growing in recent decades, but it has intensified, and I believe that it will intensify as we come to the end of the age. And as a result of that, we are becoming less and less a godly people and more and more a godless people. For instance, we have moved from morality to immorality. We have made fun of June Cleaver, but we got Jerry Springer. We have move from decency to indecency, and when we go to the beach, we are concerned about the messages that are going to be on the t-shirts of some of the people there, and what we will say to our children, and what we will say to our grandchildren, as we have moved from decency to indecency, from benevolence to selfishness. The Wall Street Journal wrote, self-centeredness and its related vices... Crime, illegitimacy, child neglect are exploding in America. It seems to me that we are becoming increasingly hostile towards the idea of God in our society. And as a result of that, I think that God has at least partially removed his hand of protection from us. Some of you will recall some years ago when Avery Willis was speaking in our church, and he said that nations go through phases, they go through steps in their pilgrimage away from God, and they come to a place when God removes his hand of protection. And I am fearful that we have seen some of that in our own land. You might have seen when Anne Graham Lotz was being interviewed on one of the morning programs. I think it was a Today Show, I'm not sure. But she was asked the question, how could God allow 9-11 to happen? And she replied, for years we have been telling God we did not want him here. We've removed him from school. We've removed him from the public arena. We have separated church and state and so forth. And so for years we have said, God, we don't want you here. And being the gentleman that he is, he simply removed himself. I think possibly that that is what is happening in our society. And so as a result of it, we have taken prayer out of schools and put in metal detectors. Our families are deteriorating. We have drug problems and so forth. And you're aware of all those things. We probably feel more vulnerable, perhaps, than we have in our lifetime. The president and the head of Homeland Security have both said they are concerned that there might be attack on America this year, this summer. So I want to speak to you about the season in which we live. If you'll take your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 8, beginning in verse number 18. And I believe this to be a similar passage to where we are. My sorrow is beyond healing. My heart is faint within me. 
Behold, listen, the cry of the daughter of my people from a distant land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not within her? Why have they provoked me with their graven images, with foreign idols? Harvest is past, summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the brokenness of the daughter of my people I am broken, I mourn, dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored? In verse number 20, the prophet says that we are to recognize the season. You'll notice there, harvest is past, summer is ended. Now, life consists of seasons. They are different. They are important. My brother, before he died, Glenn, had two seasons, hunting season and fishing season. Now, we know that life has seasons. For instance, physically, we change. We go through seasons. Sometimes I stand before my two children and say, I am your future. And they go out and run three more miles. But we know that our body is deteriorating, that we are going through a season. An older man was trying to explain, Kenny, to a younger man about old age, and he said it is a time when everything dries up or leaks. So we go through seasons in life. Childhood is a season of life, and it is a learning time, an incredible learning time. You think of all that a child learns. They learn to walk. They learn to talk. They learn to manipulate their parents and their grandparents. And so it is a time of learning. Youth is another season. It is a time that tends to be somewhat confusing. Am I a child? Am I an adult? Where am I? And so it is a season of life. Adulthood is another season that we go through. Things begin to change. We gain weight. Our hair falls out or grows in places we never anticipated. Like Tom Carnes, my chest has fallen to my waist. Linda bought me a belt the other day. I thought it was a wristband. And so we go through these changes in life. There are also seasons spiritually. You see, before you were saved, you were in the lost season. Before you came to know Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you were in the season of death, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and then we came to Christ and we are in a different spiritual season. Now then we are a child of God, we have been forgiven, we know the Lord God, a different season. And every season is a time, I think, of opportunity. Youth is an incredible season of opportunity. Solomon said, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. When my children were little, I would have well-meaning adults say to me, Oh, enjoy them now because they're going to become teenagers. I love them as teenagers. What a wonderful time of life. I know that it can be confusing, but what a wonderful time of life and how important it is when you're young because you're going to make decisions that are so significant for the rest of your life. You're going to make decisions as you choose your friends, as you choose your career path, as you choose all of these, make all of these decisions. It is an incredibly important time. And what a great time to decide that you're going to serve God. That my life is going to be spent 
following after Jesus Christ. It is a wonderful time of opportunity. But then adulthood also carries great opportunity. You know, sometimes when you get a little older, you think, well, you know, it's all behind me now. Oh, what a great opportunity you have. Father was reprimanding his son for bringing home bad grades. And he said, son, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he walked ten miles to school every day and studied by the light of the fireplace. And his son said, and dad, when John Kennedy was your age, he was president. (laughs) Well, we might not be president, but there's a lot of things we can do. There is so much in the season of adulthood we can continue to learn. Don't ever stop learning. You can be a model. You can be a mentor. You can invest your life in someone else. The experiences that you have in someone else. You can pray for someone. There is so much that you can do. And there are also seasons and opportunities for the church. The church goes through seasons. I remember once talking with Herschel Hobbs, who was such a great man of faith and a good friend of mine. And he told me once, he said, the, the, the pendulum is always swinging. He says, it goes way over here, goes too far, and then it corrects itself. It goes too far over here. He said, but it never stops swinging. And I think that the church is in a transitional time. I think that we are one of those times when one season is ending and another season is beginning. For instance, when I was growing up in the church, uh, you could say that that was a traditional time for the church. Everything was rather predictable. We all did pretty much the same thing. The programs were the same. The hymns were the same and so forth. It was a traditional time in which I grew up. And then in the early 1970s, the pendulum began to go in the other direction, and we moved from the traditional more into the emotional. And now then we want to experience God. And, and so the songs began to change, choruses were written, the music started changing, and that was the time when the charismatic movement began to blossom, and the seeker-friendly church and the contemporary church and all of those things, because it was a time, a season of experience. And I think that that season is ending. And now then the pendulum is beginning to swing the other direction, and it is going from the traditional, emotional, and now to the intellectual. And I grew up in the traditional. My children grew up in the emotional. My grandchildren will grow up in the intellectual. But there are always transitions and opportunities. And folks, one is not right and one is not wrong. It's just that there's seasons. The church goes through seasons. Southern Baptists, generally speaking, have been sort of down here in the center. When the pendulum swings, we've sort of been down here. Which means that when it swings over to emotionalism, they throw rocks at us because we don't jump high enough. And whenever it goes to intellectualism, they throw rocks at us because we're not smart enough. But we sort of stayed down here in the middle, and I personally am comfortable with that place. We sort of move a little bit in the center, but we pretty well stay in the center. need to recognize the season. Seasons change. We need to understand the season in which we live. And that was Jeremiah's challenge concerning Israel. Now, you'll notice in verse 22, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no spiritual medicine For Israel, and obviously the answer is yes, there was. Is there spiritual medicine for our world? 
Now, that's a question. This means yes, this means no. Is there spiritual medicine for our world? Yes. But you know, the thing that concerns me a little and disappoints me some is that I had always thought that the spiritual medicine of the gospel would be administered through the American church, and I'm not sure that's going to happen. I I said a few weeks ago that I think the church will change radically in the next years, because I think that Islam will force it to. And the church is going to have to the church is going to have to do something different because folks, all of my life the church has been about me. And all of your life it's been about you. What do I like? What makes me comfortable? What pleases me? What is in my best interest? And that is not the commitment of Islam. It is world domination. So then how are we going to confront that ideology that is different from ours? Well, you convert, you get killed, or you conquer. And when I look at the American church, I am not real hopeful. Because we get all bent out of shape, you know, whenever the sanctuary is not the right temperature. I mean, don't we? I mean, everything upsets us. If somebody didn't speak to me, I get up and see, but it's all about me. And that's the way that the church has been. And I cannot see us successfully confronting Islam. I was talking with Harold Weaver the other day, and he said, you know, it may be the Chinese Christians who do that. Chinese Christians have said they are going to send 100,000 missionaries into the world. And they're going to complete the circle, sending them to the Middle East. They said, we have been persecuted, we have suffered, we know what it is. And we are willing to pay the price. And Harold said, it could be that our place is going to be resources, that we support them as they do. And that might be the hope. But is there a bomb in Gilead? The answer is, yes, there is. I'm just not sure that the American church is going to be the one to administer the medicine. But we need to be involved. He goes on in verse number 22, is there no physician there? Jesus is still the physician the world needs. He is still the healing that the world needs. Isaiah wrote in chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, neither is His ear so dull that it cannot hear. You see, opportunities are available to us, but understand, opportunities can be lost. You'll notice again in verse number 20, harvest is past. Summer is ended, and we are not saved. Israel at this time had missed their opportunity and judgment was coming. We also can miss our opportunities. How? How do we miss our opportunities? Well, by resisting the Holy Spirit. Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, 51, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. Folks, we can miss the opportunity of God when we resist the Spirit. When the Lord speaks to you, when the Spirit speaks to you, I don't know about what, but maybe membership, maybe becoming a preacher, maybe becoming a missionary, maybe witnessing to someone, maybe giving, whatever it is. But when the Lord speaks to your heart about something and you resist that, then you miss the opportunity that is yours. We can miss the opportunity by resisting the Holy Spirit. Through procrastination. There are some who believe that I can make my decision or my commitment or whatever to the Lord whenever I choose to. 
It doesn't work that way. Felix heard the gospel and replied, when I find time, I will summon you. There is no record he ever found time. And see, you can, when God speaks to your heart, dear friend, about whatever he is speaking to you about, and you procrastinate, you put it off, then you can miss the opportunity that God was trying to give to you. We can miss our opportunities through selfishness. When we're all wrapped up in the small package of myself, and I'm only interested in what I like, I'm only interested in what I do, rather than in what glorifies the Lord Jesus, and we'll miss our opportunity. See, that was the rich young ruler. He was dissatisfied with his life. He came to Jesus because he was dissatisfied. Jesus said, sell what you have, give to the poor. And the Bible says that he went away sorrowful because he was not willing to do that. Selfishness oftentimes causes us to miss the opportunity that God has chosen for us. Timidity. We live in a time when we really need to be bold. We really need to be courageous today. But timidity can cause us to lose our opportunity. That's one of the reasons I love the story about blind Bartimaeus in the New Testament. Jesus came by one day. Bartimaeus was out there begging. He had heard about Jesus. And he began to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all those people around said, sit down and be quiet. Don't make any noise. Don't call any attention to yourself, to us. Just sit there and be quiet. And the Bible says that he cried out all the more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Folks, this is the time for us to be bold. This is not a time to retreat. This is not a time for us to sit back in comfort. This is the time for us to stand up, stand up for Jesus. But when we are timid, we miss the opportunity. And the Bible tells us that our hearts become hardened against God. Romans 1.28, In justice they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. I look at our country and I love it. And I'm just so fearful that we have hardened our hearts from God. Folks, we hear the gospel all the time. We've heard the good news. I don't ever tell you anything you haven't heard. You've heard it. You know it. But as time goes by, we become familiar and more familiar and more familiar that it no longer registers. And then our hearts become hardened and we no longer hear God. Well, there are rewards in every season. When I was young, my favorite season was summer because school was out. And I always look forward to the summertime when I didn't have to go to school. Now then, I've learned to appreciate every season. Summertime, there are many rewards in the summer. Church attendance is low, and, you know, people are gone, and that aggravates you. And then I've got to pump Steve up. He gets all bent out of shape. The choir's not going to be here today. So he'll go out and recruit people out of the children's department. But he'll get people up there. But, you know, summer's a wonderful time as well. You can focus on that and whine about it. Or you can say, boy, we got vacation Bible school. We have children's camps and and vacations and and youth camps and all of these opportunities. Summer's a great time. has its rewards. And then there's fall. Rewards are different. You start coming back to church. You know, vacation is over. You come back broke, but you come back to church. And we're just glad to see you. 
It's football season. And at this stage of the year, we're going to win all of them. You know, I mean, it's football season, foliage tours coming up. And so fall has, a, it has, its, has its rewards. It's a great time. And then winter. And I don't like the cold. But there's a lot of things about the winter that I do like. Uh, Linda and I get up in the morning. I get up first. She makes me get up and go in and make the coffee. She won't get up until the coffee's made. I go in and make the coffee and turn on the fireplace, and we sit in there and drink coffee and talk, and it's cold outside. Man, that's good. And there's Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and the New Year's and all of that. So winter has its rewards, too. In spring, probably my favorite time, life begins to regenerate in the spring. Lawn begins to green up a little bit. Flowers begin to blossom. The master's tournament is just down the road, and surely somebody in this church will give me tickets to go to that. <laughs> but all the seasons, I, I love all the seasons. And spiritual seasons have their rewards as well. And, and for some of you, I believe that this is the season of, of salvation. That today is the season of salvation. It's the season that God has brought you to and He's been working in your heart. And today He's bringing you unto Himself. Dr. Chalmers was um, approached by a woman who, who said that her daughter was not a Christian. She was concerned about her. She asked Dr. Chalmers if he would go and speak with her and he agreed to do so. He went over and shared the gospel with the daughter, and she listened uh, politely and so forth, but said she wasn't interested in it. And so they talked for a while. And then Dr. Chalmers said, you know, I don't want you to think about this. don't want you to talk about it for six months. Said, I'll come back in six months, and we'll talk about it then. Don't want you to think about it again for six months. Well, the daughter began to realize six months from now, I can be dead. A lot of things can happen in six months. And she said, you know, I don't think it would be wise to wait. And so he went on and shared the gospel with her and led her to faith in Christ. She was born into the kingdom of God. Folks, that's what the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And for some of you, the good news today is that this is the season of salvation for you. This is the season for you being born again, for you being forgiven, for you becoming a child of God. And by His grace, that can happen. As the Scripture says that if we are willing to repent of our sins and put our faith in Christ Jesus, then He becomes our Savior. Our sins are forgiven, removed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. You have a clean slate. You're a brand new person in Jesus Christ. And for some of you, this is that season. If you're saved, this is the season of service. You see, the Bible says that we are saved by grace, but we are saved to serve. I'm so thankful for these people who served so faithfully at First Baptist. I tease our deacons a lot, but boy, I'm so proud of them. I mean, they do so much. And one of the things, Jim, I think that with the prayer ministry that has been begun by the deacons, that we're going to see people healed in our church. Life's changed. They reach out to so many, and I'm grateful for their service there. And Maybe it could be that, that God is going to have you serving in the Sunday school, a Great Commission Sunday school, as a teacher, certainly, to be there, to be involved, to learn. In the choir, wonderful choir, y'all bless me every week. I'm so glad y'all serve in that capacity. I know it takes a lot. I know that you go to choir practice and you have to learn the music and all of that, but, boy, I'm so thankful for you. You bless us. The orchestra, 
Y'all bless us so much. So I'm glad that you serve in that capacity in special ministries. We, we have been blessed with so many special ministries. And Barbara's over here interpreting now. And we have special ed and so forth. So many special ministries like that. As, as our church says, it's not just people like me. God loves all people. All people. Season of service. Boy, some of you need to get a job. I mean, you need to get off spiritual welfare. Get a job. Find a place where you can serve the Lord. Honor the Lord. For all of us, it's a season of evangelism. You read about the disciples. They went out to turn the world upside down for Jesus. I would love to see a revival in our church. Um, I'd love to see a revival in the church at large, the Christian church in America. I, I wish that we would be the uh, the church that God uses to to deliver the spiritual medicine. But there's going to have to be a change. There has to be a change for that to happen. We need to have a heart for people. If we're going to reach people, we, we have to move from a, from a y'all come to let's go mentality. You know, that's the Great Commission is not for people to come to church. It's for those in the church to go to the people. So we have to move from come to go. We have to move from me to others. Not so self-centered. Not about me. Not about what I like. From convenience to sacrifice. There are rewards of every season. Let me conclude. Verse number 20 again. Harvest is past. Summer's ended. And we are not saved. Folks, there are seasons of opportunities provided. Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest. And so the season has been provided. Whatever that season is, God has provided us the season. The season will soon pass. Won't be here long. And God has said, my spirit will not always strive with man. So the season will soon pass and the seasons lost are gone forever. You can't go back and reclaim last summer. You can't go back and reclaim this summer. The season comes and it's gone. And the thing that is important is that we take advantage of the season that God has given to us. In a moment, we're going to give an invitation. I want you to think about this. You will never have this opportunity, this exact opportunity, again. Never again. This is a season. It's an opportunity for you. You may have another opportunity. I don't know, but you'll not have this one. This is the only time you'll ever have this opportunity to make your commitment to the Lord this way. What will you do? Gracious Father, we thank you so much for the opportunities that you provide for us. Help us, Lord, to take advantage of the seasons. And Father, I especially pray for those who need to be saved today, that this is their season of salvation, that today they'll trust Christ. I pray, Lord, for those who, who ought to join this church, to become a part of it, to find a job here, to get involved, to count for Jesus. That's the season. And I pray that they'll be faithful to that. But Lord, I just pray that you'll move in our midst and in this invitation. You'll be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask.